Howdy everybody, I'm Robert, and this is Figure of Speech, a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics on the lives of those who competed. Episode 9, Jasmine McLeod. Jasmine, welcome in. Hi! It's nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. Jasmine, <laughs> uh, you, you have, uh, you and I, we competed, we overlapped a little bit at the same time when we were competing. That would have been maybe yes. 2009, I want to say. I think so. I think your senior year yeah. was my freshman year. Yeah, um, in college. Yes, when you wore the white suit to NFA. That yeah. was your senior year? <laughs> that was my senior year. For awards, for yeah. awards, yeah. <laughs> like you did a whole costume change and everyone was like, ah! <laughs> I figured it's my last tournament. Why not go out? Why not? With a I bang? think that's the first time I, one, seen a man wear a white suit <laughs> that was like in forensics, but two, that did a costume change yeah, man. for awards. Well, you know, that year uh, I won and I, I realized as I did this change, I'm like, you better win, man, because if you don't win, <laughs> How embarrassing is that going to be to be changing into this white outfit and then uh, like call your shot kind of thing and then not win? And I was like, uh, I, I better do something here. Did you know? Did you know you were going to win? Like, did you have a feeling that? I knew. Um, I I had a good feeling. Okay. But then when they they started calling off, and I, I have the the uh, award ceremony for that when they when they called it off when they they called out sixth and 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 fifth and once they didn't call once they didn't call my name for sixth i was yeah. like all right i i know i didn't get screwed over here so yes. i got a real shot and then they called out uh fifth fourth and the girl who got third was my biggest competition and i and i watched the video uh i've seen it a couple times since then and i, I remember thinking once her name is called i've yes. got it and they called her for third i thought she was gonna get second and i, I remember turning to the guy uh, who got second, and I remember thinking... I got this. You, you just lost. I'm sorry, <laughs> and, bud. Wait, this was also when you had the duo with Tiffany Brain, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we had a couple different duos, but yes, we definitely had a duo yes. at that tournament, too. Uh, I just remember, I think it was... Uh, it was an up-north tournament when that was kind of big for us in California mm-hmm. is when I first saw you all. So I know David had talked about you a lot because you used to be his duo partner, yeah, right? Yeah, Dave and I... I mean. Dave and I went to high school together. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, you're going to love this duo. You got to watch it. And so that's the first time I think I saw you with some Northern tournament. I think at that time we were doing like Pinky and the Brain. Yes, that's the... That's and we the, had like the big folder and the small yep. folder. And we were kind of playing with size. And we were playing with... Uh, I think my, my last year I was just messing around. But thank you for interviewing me. Let's interview I know, you I know, I know. Sorry. I was like, so tell me how you're... <laughs> You're taking you over how, my job. You see how I flipped that on you? <laughs> I've been planning this. <laughs> I am now taking over this podcast. Thank you. You'll have a new, much more charming host, Jasmine McLeod. Turning it over. Take the reins. Yes. Uh, so, Jasmine, tell me about you. Where are you from originally? How did you get involved in speech? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I'm from San Diego. And actually, I did forensics in high school did as you? well. Uh, I only did it for two years. Actually, I was going to do it for three years, but... I don't know if you remember this very popular um, it was a play because, you know, high school, we kind of recycle the same type of pieces. Right. But it was the Charlene Wooder um, Bonesy piece. Um, it, it's Pretty Fire. It's from the play Pretty Fire. It's it's at least like my two, three years doing it. Everyone I've seen someone do it okay. once. But anyways, it's. Um, this piece, it terrified me. So I had got it my sophomore year in high school and it, it was a lot. It was intense because essentially it's a, a girl, a, a young school girl who was sexually assaulted. And I was like, 
why is my teacher giving me this? And so I was like, no, I can't do this. So I left. Um, and then the forensics coach was also the theater coach. So uh-huh. I did theater in high school. And he was like, just come back. Let's start with OPP, which, you know, original prose and poetry. Right. And I fell in love with that. And I was like, this is my jam. And then. Because you could create it yourself. Yeah, yeah. There I could go. write my own story. Right. And. That made me feel a little bit more comfortable getting into forensics. Mm. And then I did OI um, and then Asada Shakur's book, her speeches that she wrote in jail. And then I was more comfortable with that. And then I actually did the the DI that I ran from. Yeah, Yeah. ironically. Do you remember your first tournament, your first high school tournament? Yes, I don't remember the place exactly but i remember i just i remember the campus so clearly um i remember my first event actually even though i wrote an opp it was oi that i did and so my biggest competition was two people from helix and we actually had become really great friends in high school but almost because we're frenemies and we were like you're the only two people that could beat me and i'm the only person that could beat you all (laughs) so uh it no, no, I know what it is. I know what campus it was. It's the Winter Classic. Okay. Was my first turn. And how did you do your first round? When you walk in, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? I was nervous, but I've done speeches in elementary school and I did theater in middle school. So I was like, this is nerve wracking, but I'm ready. And I ended up getting second at that tournament. It's great. So I. I mean, yeah, I was like happy about that. And then once I had started getting OPP there after that, it just it motivated me to be even better. Mm-hmm. And I start start jamming out. I was winning. <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been in high school, what, your sophomore year? My junior year. Junior year. Because okay. I, I was like sophomore year. I That's got when that you got it. And you, I was you like, fled. No, okay. no, 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 no. And then junior year, I took theater and I was like, OK, let's yeah, let's try this out. College. I wasn't going to do it in college at all. I was like, I'm going to go to college. So I went to Long Beach. Well, hold on. Before we get to college. Oh, yes. I, and I want to know more about that. But how, how was your success at high school? I mean, did you, did you go to nationals? Did you go to the state? We did state. Okay. Our school only went to state. Just, that would have been Chassa? Yes. Okay. Just budget-wise, we didn't have the money to send any students to nationals. A lot of the money actually was coming out of our forensics coach or theater teacher's pocket, which I appreciate him so much because he put so much time and effort into it. We never had school buses. We, you know, didn't have a budget to get these entries put in. So a lot of it was coming out of his pocket. And on top of that, knowing this now, because I I have a good relationship with him now, it put a lot of strain on his marriage because it was like, we're struggling to pay our mortgage and right. stuff like that. And you're paying for these students to, you know, go travel all over the state and compete in these competitions. But for him, especially working in a school primarily of student of color, it was important for him to give us an opportunity uh, to do something that we probably wouldn't have been able to do or like get an opportunity to have a platform to speak about issues that, People wouldn't listen to us and any other day, especially being, you know, children of color. And our school wasn't the best. Um, it was called Mount Megiddo. That was the nickname. It, it's Mount Miguel. <laughs> okay. But a lot of students who got kicked out of other schools would go to our school. I got it. So it was separate. Like they had like the honor classes. Like I was in the honor classes and those people kind of stayed in that cohort and they were challenged and did those classes. And then you kind of had the other students that were 
well, they got kicked out and they go here. Yeah. So, but going back to that, yeah, our our theater teacher kind of, he paid the way for us. So in state, I got, I always got second. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Oh, no. <laughs> I got second in. What events? OPP, my, because you can only go in one oh, for really? state. Okay. Yeah. So I got second in OPP for my junior year and I got second in OI my um, senior year. I love how that still burns you up a little it bit. It does. Do you know what I mean? Just a little bit because yeah. you're like, what? You're what over it, done? but if yeah. somebody gets you on a podcast and gets you riled up, you'll, you'll <laughs> Do start you see complaining. Me looking, I'm like clenching my fist. I'm ready. <laughs> I have the same like. thing. I've, I've got some of those too where I'm like, just, just one, especially because like, I mean, you don't know what you're missing until it's later, but in college, you know, you get to go in multiple events at any given tournament. Right. But for high school, yes, you get to compete in multiple events during the year, but you can only qualify one for state. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how nationals work. I never went to high school nationals. It's, uh, you know, I try to stay so far away from high school nationals because I find it just to be overly political and, uh, I'm just not crazy about it, but my understanding about it is that you qualify in one. There's yeah. like a handful of the, the major events. And then when when you don't break past a certain point, then you have these supplemental events. So you oh. have a chance to do okay. other events, but only so if your main event doesn't work. Trophies and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and there's even like some people who, who will purposefully tank their main event knowing that they're not going to win it anyway uh-huh. so that they can get into those supplemental events. And ride those further. And you don't have to qual for that. You can just be like, like, you know, you just I don't have it know prepared. the answer about oh. qualification, uh, but it's my understanding that you can bring that to. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I. And oh. I got to tell you, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe I'm biased because I, I, I know the college system a lot better, but I like that more just because it's like, what do you want to do? I mean, the, yeah. the NFA system is. Take whatever you want. You know, it's just I love the NFA system. I love NFA, but I think I'm biased because (laughs) I've, I mean, I did really well at AFA, but like NFA just loves me. (laughs) And so I just love NFA. (laughs) Love them back. Yeah. That's where I got my championship. So I'm I'm definitely in the NFA category. Same, same. I I mean, I like AFA as well. And we could talk about that all day long, but, uh, you know, they they certainly have their appeal too. But, you know, I'd like the idea of, Opening it up to just about anybody, it's like, look, there's a very minimal qualification process here of like you yeah. need to have made it into a final round, whatever your division is, bring as many events as you want. To me, that feels like a national tournament. And yeah. Okay, we'll we'll sort it out. Just bring it all down, and we'll we'll figure out who's the best of the best. I like that. I hate the qualifying system in high school, though. I absolutely hate it. I think for nationals, for nationals and for state. Is it what is it for state? Uh, I think it's probably the well. I guess I shouldn't say nationals because I never went. Um, but state, it's 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 almost like a clean slate. So you can be competing all year right. long and win in this event. But it's one tournament, tournament. specifically yeah. for state. And that's how it is for nationals, yes. too, for high school. Yeah. Yeah. And you can go in multiple events, but, like, anyway, like, you're gunning. Let's say, for me, you know, OI and OPP were my, my jam. And so maybe I'm planning on, like, I want to really go on OI. Um, and I've been winning OI all year. And as you know, it's parent judges, mm-hmm. so it, it can get squirrely. And if you just don't break or you don't make – I think what it's because they take the top whatever. Yeah. But if you don't break it, top period, two yeah, or the whatever. top two or something like that, and you just get like top 
bottom five and stuff like that. You have to hope one knocks that it those down people, to you. Yeah, knock it down to you. But the other thing is, it's so disheartening to know, like, oh, I've been winning in this event all year long, and then it's all riding on this one tournament. And really, it comes down to one judge. Yes, one judge in the final round. I mean, you could go. Uh, let's say, let's say the final round ranks to six, yes. right? You got six people in that final round. You go six one one. Mm-hmm. You're probably walking away with third place at that point, yep. right? Depending on on how they do their tiebreak systems, if they're doing like number of ones versus uh, total rank or whatever it is that I they're doing. I have no idea how they do it. I, mean, I don't know. It, what, it depends yeah. on how they're doing it. If they're right. doing total rank versus judge preference or whatever, but yeah. it, depending on how that shakes out, you're walking away with one judge who didn't like you, mm-hmm. and now costing you, you. You don't go to state, especially if that's the only event you have there too, or like maybe you didn't break your other event or something like that so now you have to hope that you get there i don't know it's just not my preference of qualification i I prefer the afa or nfa way of getting the legs and then duking it out that way well that moves us over to to college now i cut you off earlier because you said you weren't going to do speech originally in college why not What, what was the decision not to i feel like i had such a good experience in high school when i did it and i was like i don't need it at first and so I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do theater. I'm going to focus on my school. And I, I'm just going to do the college thing. And I had a teammate who went to, who was from my high school. And I had came to college early, like to go get my housing and everything. So I was just hanging out for a week around Long Beach, exploring and stuff like that. So his name is Alberto. And he was like, come on, come check out the forensics team. And so I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not interested in forensics. It's not kind of my thing um, anymore. I don't know. (laughs) All of a sudden, it wasn't my thing anymore. Um, (laughs) And he was like, no, just come check it out. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. So Long Beach was having their summer practice, and people were performing. In high insight, I know that I was... In hindsight, I'll get into it. So I'm watching this performance. It, there's no other time like the present to get into it. You're literally on a I know, podcast I know, talking I know, about I know, it. I know, but I'm saying like, <laughs> let me not jump. I feel like I should tell the story okay. before I Go, get into it. So I'm watching this DI and I'm not impressed. Mm. And what I'm saying in hindsight is like, it's summer. You just got it up. Right. It, it's not going to be a mind-blowing performance. Right. But in my mind at that time, I was like, you're showing this off and you're this performing. This is what college has to yeah, offer. Yeah, yeah. So that was my that was my response. I was like, this is what you all do? No, I'm not interested in it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And so he said, you need to be careful because these are the performances that would beat you. And me being the person I was, I was a little cocky. I was like, beat me? This <laughs> performance? I don't think so. So I joined the team. So I always joke. Yeah, I joined. I joined because I'm petty. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever motivates. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't have a really good reason or a very motivating reason. I joined because I was petty. And (laughs) can I tell you something? I have a similar experience. Uh, I I know this is not my my interview, but I want to tell you. So. I, same thing, Dave and I, uh, when, when you, you mentioned Dave Hale, who was our first guest on this podcast, but yeah. he and I, uh, when we were in high school, we saw this duo, and uh, we were like, dude, that is awful, and we were like, I'm never doing college speech, and so when we started doing college speech, eventually later on, uh, we took this one duo to a, a tournament, yeah. and 
this judge just gave us a really nasty ballot yeah. and was like writing all over like uh we did like a, a neil simon play and like neil simon would have been ashamed to watch this oh. and everything it was really harsh oh my gosh and we were kind of like I complaining like neil simon, though. <laughs> <laughs> well we complained and the word got back to the judge and it it basically was like, yo, you need to go apologize to these guys because uh-huh. they that was too harsh of a ballot. And he came up to us and, and apologized. And he said to us, he was like, all right, well, are you guys AFA or Fyro Pi bound? And I remember him saying that. And I had no idea what either one of those were. I yeah. was like, AFA or fa fa yeah. I, I didn't understand. And and uh, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, AFA is the four-year university nationals. And Fyro Pi is the two-year community college nationals. And we were actually at a community college, and we probably should have been Fyro Pi bound, but I didn't. I didn't understand what he was saying. You He's, never did Fyro. I well, I did, but barely. Oh, okay. But okay. because he said AFA or Fyro, I heard AFA, and uh-huh. I went, I know, what, I I heard those words, and I, I just lied and went, we're AFA bound, and yeah. he kind of looked at me like. Uh, uh, are you sure? <laughs> this ain't gonna fly. Yeah. At you might want to be Pyro Pie. <laughs> but I just said AFA because I yeah. didn't. I didn't even understand what he meant with Pyro Pie. I was just ficka I couldn't even understand the the words that yeah, he was the, saying. So I just said AFA, and I remember him going, "Uh huh." No, 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 no. And no. that put such a chip on our shoulder of like, we're gonna do well at AFA. And yeah. We took that duo. It wasn't. We actually kind of we went back to our first duo that we had were doing, and we semied at AFA that year and and we looked at that as this huge success of it is a huge success to go to AFA and actually yeah. do well and we were like man that's th- all because this one guy same kind of yeah. petty thing he had said something and I was like I'm gonna show this guy what's what and he gave me that fire that I needed to fight against I needed I had angst but I needed to target yeah. something you know yeah semis semis is an accomplishment semis oh, are sure. rough <clears throat> AFA is rough, it especially is. depending on what event, like impromptu or pros, where it is flooded. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I had talked to so many people, and I've always heard, uh, and I, I truly believe it. Pros is the biggest grab bag. Uh, it, it's it you is. don't know who's gonna win. You could be winning yeah. all year long. You get into pros, uh, quarters, and it's like, okay, you're done. Yes. I, I mean, pros is hard, but I feel like I know this might be a little big headed of me, but I feel like I have a good grasp on pros because really? I broke pros every year. And so it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might be a grab bag, but there might be a formula. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know the formula, definitely spill it. I wonder what it is. Uh, but I, I mean, I see some great pieces and... I mean, there's just stuff that gets knocked out. But that happens yeah. in every event, I was going to say, I've definitely seen so many pieces that I'm like, I don't understand how this didn't break or I don't understand how this didn't win. And and I, and I understand it a little bit more now, but I guess that's life. Yeah. You know, think about all of the artists out there and all of the people in the world that are so talented that could, who knows, change the world, yeah. but just need the opportunity and just don't get... The opportunity. So sometimes, like when I talk about forensic stuff in general, I have to check my privilege because, as someone who did get amazing opportunities to have my stuff showcased, making a name, and then getting away with stuff that I shouldn't have gotten away with, um, I right. I, I think that comes from a place of being able to be like, well, I broke, so I don't know. Like I'm just I love one that, of the though. few. I'm, I know what you're saying, and I, oh, believe me, I've gotten away with way more yes. junk than I should have. But I like that. I, mean, I that's, do like that's it. That's the best but... part is like, let's see what you can do now that yes. you've got a little bit of a reputation. 
how can you expand this art? How can you do things that, <laughs> I mean, uh, y- your reputation will a lot of times start to carry you. And I know yes. my first year or two, it was not that way. But after a while, I knew I can get away with doing some weird stuff and people will yes. buy it. And I mean, it won't always float me, but yeah. I have the safety barrier of reputation and I can coast on that a little bit and I can I can do some strange things and unique things. Now, if I don't if I don't bring my A game eventually, right, it ain't then it'll, work it'll out. catch up yeah. with you. But I wouldn't even say that like there's there's a I'm talking about being able to do strange things. I think that definitely spoke to my um, junior year. But I'm talking about I've, I've got away with some busted stuff. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like I had a coach. Our DOF my senior year, and I, like I mean, this. like, this is be good. yes, I already, I know, I don't know if you know how traumatic my senior year was, but anyways, she would enter me in events I didn't have. Like, she would just be like, <laughs> "Didn't you have this last year?" And I would show up like the day before or the day of the tournament, and she would be like, "You're entered in poi." You're entered in info. I guess this would be the only time that I did extemp. So, but I would have a poi. <laughs> And no intro, and I won CSUN. Or I, oh, wow. yes, like I had an info, and I put that in air quotes. I know you can't, you guys can't see me. And I was making up sources and in information. Oh, wow. And so, it, but you're I, saying you sound credible. Yeah. yeah. And people would be like, I know you're messing up, but you're Jasmine McLeod, and I know you also need to qual. And I'm saying that name allowed me to get away with some stuff mm. that. Someone knew would have came in and didn't have an intro in their poi. Sure. They would have yeah. been like, "Easy five, you're coming in and it looks like you're extemping your whole info drop, you know." But because I have that name and because people knew, I'm on a four year. I'm trying to qual. I'm not like doing this for the one. I think I got away with a lot of stuff that. I like that. That that's an honest approach of you to be able to to honestly assess and be like. <laughs> Oh, no, it was my reputation that got me some of yeah, these things. That's, but it is because yeah. it was like, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, well, it might also be a testament to how bad everyone else was. Maybe, maybe, but... To, you, know, uh, you saying that reminds me, I had heard once, uh, I don't, I never checked out the study, but someone had told me that uh, a number of years ago, they, um, there was a, a research group that had looked at all of the final round, I think it was AFA, informative speeches and took the text of all of the speeches and ran down all of their sources yeah and every single person had violated some sort of like uh like yeah they did that in extent too was it extent uh well i i, I know I that they did it in extent they looked at the final round and found that those sources were made up which i 100 percent believe i don't want to bash extent but extent now infuriates me I don't know if you've judged lately, but all mm. of a sudden, everyone has 15 sources That's memorized crazy. and they don't need a note card and it's perfectly delivered. There is no way that in 30 minutes you researched 10 articles, memorized quotations for every single article in the dates, in the information and put together a perfect speech. I feel like I know what you're saying. I feel like you can, but it takes a concerted effort. And the real problem is not round one, but it's round three after you've done it a couple times and not getting confused. Like you have to wipe that memory out. And that's the real hard part is not confusing. Wait, was that was that my source for round one or round two? Right. And by the time you start getting into round three, you're like, wait, uh, was that 1997 or was it 
2007 yeah. and you start getting everything confused. I think you can. I 100% don't think it's impossible, but the number in which it's happening, mm-hmm. I think is not right. And that's what that study pro- like proved though. It's like they went and they looked at all of these sources yeah. and the sources are made up. And I'm like, I knew it. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying every single person no, in I that final you. round no. made up sources, well, but like you, I never did extemp. I coach a lot of middle school extemp yes. and that's always a challenge that I have is they start they love to just make up sources. And yes. I'm like, if I find out you you're doing that, you're off my team. Right. And like I have to like really lay down the law and they're like, Okay, well I can put all my sources on a note card and I'm like, You can, but don't. I will take your note card <laughs> yeah. away and you'll be yeah. like, figure it out. What's the what's the date? And like I, I have to force them to do it. So I see it being done, but it's right. really hard to do it. And all of the instincts. And I think when yeah. you have a coach who's not right on top of you. Yeah, who can police you or yeah. figure out what you're doing or and, doesn't tell you it's wrong. Right. You know, you, you start to make those judgment calls. Because competitive-wise, right, you're like, well, I'm seeing people do this without a note card and they're winning and I have a note card and I'm not getting the place that I want. Right. So what does it matter if I make, right? It always starts with like, what does it matter if I just make up one? And then that one becomes, what does it matter if I just make up five? Yeah. And so no one will know if I do it. Sm- I mean, that was my whole thing in and info. It's always, I mean, when I, we always do that too. Like justification yeah. of why you're, you're committing the crime, quote unquote, of like, uh, oh, well, everybody else is doing it and it's the only way I can stay competitive and things like that. And yes. then the whole thing just starts falling apart. Yeah. Oh. But I said, that's what I did in info. But let me reiterate. That's what I did in info when I found out that I was in info and I didn't have an info. I was like, the New York Times on June 11th. <laughs> like someone was like, and, and then a competitor called me out though. Good for him. He was like, are you making up your sources? There's and no I February was, 30th. Yes. And I was so stressed and I was like, I don't know my speech. Okay. <laughs> that's so funny. So like I I get on it on March thirty second yeah just like just making up stuff I was like oh, I just need to the Washington Post <laughs> like what are sources I usually use so you start creating whole new newspapers yes yeah the Long Beach Tribune yeah. <laughs> like, what when did that happen I don't know I know there has to be one <laughs> USA Tomorrow yeah. <laughs> It was just, yeah, it was stressful. That, oh, it was like my dreams. You know, your speech dreams. Everyone yeah. has those those nightmares. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I mean, all right. So tell me about your, you, you've obviously had speech dreams. Oh my gosh. I had so many speech nightmares. They have recently stopped, but now I feel like now I get fighting nightmares because mm. I do Muay Thai. Muay Thai. But, oh, there's so many times I would have dreams where I would exactly what happened we get a um notification that you're in di and your round starts in one hour and so my dream my whole dream is figuring out how am i going to make up this di or how am i going to write this intro and yeah. then no words coming or i've missed my round missed or around but um, can't find the room i can't oh that was my life yeah. at nationals i always signed into the wrong room did you really every single time it never failed <laughs> i would double triple every single nationals i would always you're not in this round fuck <laughs> <laughs> and, and you stopped competing in what year what was your last year i want to say 2013 
right, you finished in the 2013. The spring of 2013. And you're saying just now you're starting to not get the dreams yes. anymore. But I think because I coach, so then you're okay. in it. You're in forensics. Right. I think if you, you know, you stop competing and then you're not, you remove yourself from forensics completely. I think the dreams, the stress dreams stop a little bit more, but being like, competing and then going straight into coaching but you're still invested in it you're still invested in your students and making sure that they do whatever yeah. so you're you know you're just in this world so you start to have some of those same stress dreams but now it's like you as a competitor that are missing rounds i remember like there that. being like a uh, for me, it was about six months after nationals of like a cool down period where I would still have the dreams. Yeah. And then after about six months, they would start to taper off. And then uh, and then they would start ramping up again before the next nationals. Yes, that's what it would. It would be like, I would have them, obviously, going into nationals. I think everyone does. Everyone has like the stressful dreams going to nationals. Then when I stopped competing, I didn't have them for a while. And then I got into coaching and same thing. Yeah. The closer I got to a big tournament, like hell froze over. Um, which is in January, well, you know, yeah. but, um, or any type of national tournaments, I would start to have them. Then they would disappear, and then the season would start, and then they would come back full flooded. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I've never realized, if, and when I heard other people had them, it fascinated me because I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one. Right. This is clearly stress dreams, why are we all this stressed? Like a community of just stressful people. You know what I think it is? I don't even think, I don't think it's stress. I think it is, but it's also like just your, in order to be highly competitive at that level, you have to be singularly obsessed. Yes. Like your, yes. your friends are in speech. Yes. You, you can have outside activities and relationships, and stuff, but, but yeah, it, this number one is it. was forensics. Yeah. Like I remember, um, so all my classes were always in the morning. That's what we did. Um, so I would go to class. I would go to practice. This is we, college, Yeah, right? this is college. Sorry. Um, so I would go to class, go to practice, go to work, drive home, shower, meet my coaches at night. So usually I'm getting off of work around like 9 p.m. So I go home, shower, and I'll be in the squad room at like 10 p.m. working on my speech. And not like every day. What a good portion of my time yeah. I would spend doing that, especially when a big tournament came up like HFO or I never went to the Norton. So like HFO or AFA or NFA, that was my life was really dedicating it to forensics. When I drove to work, I was running my speeches. When I showered, I was running my speeches. I used to record my speeches and listen to my speeches um, before that got annoying because I was like, I don't want to listen to my voice while I go to sleep. <laughs> uh, but but the obsession is what I'm getting at. It's like it was just constant. You know, uh, a lot of people used to be like, oh, she got far because of her hair. She got far because of her coaches. But people don't realize that I worked like yeah. I worked constantly and whether or not I was in a room working in front of you in a mirror which I usually was I was working non-stop running my Behind speeches yeah, yeah doing you know how do I say this line can it be better can I like can I be consistent I want my time like this every single time like I never deviated some people go to nationals they get an out round and they're like I'm gonna go 17 minutes now I was not that person yeah. I was like I have a formula. I keep it. Sure. Like I had a a a piece. I had a dumb idea to my <laughs> senior year 
to do a poetry about choice. Yeah. And I all had them the, the, on the, cards. the choose, right? Yeah. Choose your own. Yeah. So adventure. basically, every single time, it was born out of how many times I saw someone else doing the exact same poetry piece so every me. single round. <laughs> And so I said, what if, what if I did a piece for people who are watching my, like other competitors who are watching yeah. my performance and they could actually get a different performance every round. And so it wouldn't have to be this h- horror show of every single time knowing exactly what the same yeah. line is, but actually mixing it up. And so what if it was all about choice? So I printed it out on these note card or uh, playing cards, right? And then you'd have the audience pick. And then based on that, you would have, it would alter your performance completely. It would just be, what did you choose? And what you chose affected my life and, and things yeah. like that. David but, told me about this and I was like, I thought it was revel. I never got to see it, but I was like, I wanted to do a duo like that. And they were like, no, 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 you can't. Someone has already done this. And I was like, fine. Well, I won't. The, the cool, the cool part too, it was like, they were all. I had dipped all the, the playing cards in metal and then had a big magnet in uh-huh. my book. So they were all magnetized and it would just pop out and I could like do it and then put them back in and then they would still turn. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But the um, the problem was memorizing oh, all these different yes. poems. In I different mean, ways you can You do think it. about like, okay, I'm putting all this other stuff up, but each one of these poems has to run a, a, like the same, about the same amount of time, yeah. like two to three minutes roughly. And it's got to be on the same theme. And you got to have, I mean, that alone. You have to be on it. Yeah, you have to know. I mean, when I rehearsed the whole poem, it would take me literally an hour to do one rehearsal of the whole All poetry the possibil- piece. Oh, yeah. Because wow. it was like, I got to rehearse every single piece. And I got to yeah. go through everything and figure out what are the actions for this. And it was a monster to work with. Yeah. And no. so same thing of what you're talking about is like everywhere I drove, I was, some of them were, were song lyrics. And I was yeah. like, okay, let me use, you know, I could listen to these songs constantly. And then in the shower, it was just, I had to spend all of my time thinking about choice and and oh i could add this poetry i could do this kind of action everything else i'm saying i'm right there with you yeah of like it's you have to be obsessed yeah i don't i don't think i personally could do it i think it would drive me crazy especially just my i'm a perfectionist Mm. and i think it helped me but i think it could also destroy someone and i feel like doing something like that because it's a little bit of chaos with it it's like for sure it would drive me nuts i would be like no i tried it it doesn't work. <laughs> like, I just, I need it all planned out. <laughs> it, it was a nutty idea. Yeah. But, um, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about your successes in college. Okay. And there was a, a period of time, and I'm, I'm not putting down, um, I don't want to put down California and Nevada and Hawaii, but the District 1 area was kind of in this... Um, uh, in a in a sad state, except for one beacon of light, which was Jasmine McLeod, which was <laughs> no, uh, no, we had good people. We you did, guys we had great. good ones, yeah. But there was definitely like there was a caliber level of like okay, but there's Jasmine that was up here, <laughs> and um, you know, going to a lot of the the national tournaments, and you, I mean, were basically I think the only one that was breaking from that whole probably from our yeah whole my senior district, year right yeah, and um, what. What do you feel about that? Do you feel like uh, that? What do you What do you attribute that to? Honestly, you all, I had to step my game up. And my my soft my sophomore year, that's a lot. My freshman year, we had big names like you guys. You were killing it, Tiffany and your duo partner. Uh, I mean, I said Tiffany and your duo partner. You and Tiffany were killing it. I had David Hale, um, Amanda Smoylov. Like we had 
big names on the circuit my freshman year or like big names to me like these people when sure. i was competing and, and and i'm talking about locally you all were winning things and um and i was doing well too but i was like this is it this is what i need to get to and i think that's what created my obsession with forensics was like i can't just rely on practicing when there's practice right. um i need to start looking at other styles because you know, you and David too, and, and Sean Connor had big, and, and Shaw Davari had big performance styles. You guys like to do a lot of comedy and a lot of like physical um, actions and stuff. And that wasn't really me when I first started. I was like, I'm reserved. I I just like the subtlety of it all. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I had to I'm learn not... the subtlety. That that's what kicked. So my ass. I was yeah. gonna say, but David was the opposite. His was like the subtlety, but David loved like the big performance in the big picture and for me i was like i just like the journey i'm gonna just take you on this nice journey um and but but the point being is it was you all seeing you all and then going to these bigger tournaments and and seeing other people from other states and seeing what they were doing uh i learned yeah i especially the first time hfo i ever went to hfo i didn't break anything and you know, and someone else on my team, I always say you can go either or. You can either learn or not. So I had another person. We started at the same time we were freshmen. She went to HFO, didn't break anything. And I think this is really important. So we're on the plane and we're talking. And her reaction to not breaking was 500 excuses. I didn't have this and I didn't have this cut and I have this time. And for me, I think this is what set me up for success. I didn't make excuses. I was like, no. I saw greatness and I'm not there. But hmm. now I know what I need to do to get there. And I need to start asking the right questions and doing the right things. Because it doesn't matter how much you practice if you're practicing wrong. Yeah. Or if you're practicing the same thing over, that's not working. I feel like I should be snapping. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> but like that's, I think is what contributed to my success was sure. being like, oh, it's not because this judge liked me. It's because I wore red or it's like, Sure, sure, sure. Like judges can be assholes and they can make piss poor decisions and there are biases that go into a round. Absolutely. I'm not saying that at all. But like we were talking about earlier, at some point you need to think about what could you have done better? And if you 100% walk into that round and it's like, I've given it my all and there's nothing I could have done better, then cool. You know, that's, that's awesome. But that early in the game, giving HFO is in January, you're not perfect. Yeah. There is something you can learn. And being freshmen into a new caliber of competing where high school is very different performance styles than in college, right? You can get away with caricatures. You can get away with, like, doing accents and you don't need an act, right? You can right. get away with camp. Yeah. You can't get away with those tropes in college right. all the time. You know, you might have some mild success, but you're not going to go, especially at least on a four year circuit, you're not going to go and get, you know, the awards you want with relying on just tropes. And so I just had to really dig deep and be like, how do I make these people real that I'm performing? These are real stories, mm. um, not caricatures like a caricature is a nice place to start. But now I need to do a little bit more digging. Let's go deeper. Yeah, let's go deeper. Josh Hamzahi said something to me one time that um, really rang true for me and it, it just it stuck in my head. Um, you know, we were talking 
about I, I can't remember what I had said to him, but it was something like, "Oh, this person was is trying to um, socialize with all these other judges so that they can." So that they're more well known or something yeah. like that. They wanted it to basically get more judge exposure. And I see that. Josh yeah. pulled me aside one time and he said, you know, all that stuff, it, it's all tie breaks. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you're the best speech in the round, you win. Yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, it really comes down to that. Now, the problem is how you get to be the best speech in the round. Yes. And some people are more obsessed with these tie breaks of getting the judge to like you, wearing the right color, as yeah. you were talking about. And, uh, you know, what are all these tiny little things that you can do? But if you put that into your speech, if you put that energy into trying to analyze your speech and figure out what is it that I can do that would really separate my speech and really make it ahead above everybody else, you don't have to worry about all those Exactly. I mean, I let my coaches worry about that. Like, look, what suit do I wear? Yeah? Okay. That's what I'll do. Like, like, Long Beach had, like, full control over that. I was like, uh, I don't care. Like, my whole focus was how can I make this as real as possible? And and I feel like this is what I was saying, the secret to pros. The secret to pros is making it as simple as possible in this sense. Everyone wants to tie in all of these, like, storylines and whatever. I literally would pick the simplest pros, like something that has to do with love. Because love is complex. Yeah. Love is not just like, I love someone. Love can be jealous and love can be angry and love can hurt, but love can make you happy. And exploring all of those things is a lot more interesting to me than like, I have this funny line and that's what's going to write this with this storyline and this storyline. And I think that's what really, I feel like even when I saw great proses, kept proses out is because it's too complicated. You want too much to happen. When really sometimes the simplest thing is the most complex thing, right? It's not about like being happy, but what does that look like? Because you can be happy, but regret something. You can be happy and then, right, be upset at the same time. Frustrated. And frustrated, yeah. right? And so that is what I feel like people forgot about pros. And so, uh, and, and that's why I love it so much. And I think that's why I did well is because I was like, no, I don't want to tie in all these like 500 other words. Let's make this 800 words. Let's make this a simple storyline. And then let's explore what this feeling is. I think you're right. Because as I look back at the prose pieces that I've always enjoyed, they do follow what you're talking about. Yeah. They're very simplified and they're very clean. Yeah. And just point A, point B, point C, we're done. Yeah. But the emotion yeah. is complex right. within it. Yeah. And I think that's important and what people forget Yes, the words are beautiful and they're important. They're other people's words and we're chopping it up. But what I want to see is life. Like I want to see a real person experiencing a moment in time and how has that transformed them? Because that's going to transform me. That's really deep. I like yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I read that on a fortune cookie. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so uh, transition, transition us over into coaching. Yes. So you coach now for Mount SAC. Is that right? Yes. And how long have you been coaching? Since since 2013? Since yeah, you stopped? But not at Mount SAC since 2013. But uh, <laughs> I've been trying to get out of forensics and they keep pulling me back in. I always, yeah. I always joke that it's a gang that I got jumped into. And they're like. <laughs> Blood in Yeah. Blood yeah. They're like, we're not, you're not getting jumped out. It used to be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to take this year off. And they'll be like, you want to make some money? 
I got this coaching gig for you. Oh, <laughs> so, <man. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, bro, college student, you're like, yeah, I can, I can use that two hundred dollars real I can nice. Use that, man. Yeah, I yeah, can use yeah. That money. <laughs> so I got back I in. Stop my own team. <laughs> but I, I got into uh, Mount Sac. Uh, what? Now this will be my third year. Okay. At Mount Sac, and it's really well. I was at Elac, but the CC circuit coaching because I coached at Long Beach as well after I stopped, and then I coached high school as well. But the CC circuit is a whole different beast, man. Um, in what way? I feel like on the four year, it's it's very much like on your own. You get coaches and you have people that are helping you, but you got to find your lit on your own and you have to cut on your own and you got to write your speeches on your own and then your coaches will come in and, and edit or coach what they need to kind coach. of mop up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, at least that's how it was for me. Like I don't, I can't speak to every single person's program, but for us, it wasn't. It was hands-on and not hands-on. It was like, get it together and then we'll help you. CC, you can't really approach it like that. Because if you approach it like that, and I, and I tried to at ELAC, you'll be waiting forever hmm. for some student to, yeah. to get just one piece up. And I get it, right? If you've never been trained on where do you go find literature, how do you cut a piece, right? You're taking a 5,000 word, whatever, and you got to cut it down to 1,100 word and it has to make sense. That's hard if yeah. you've never done it because everything seems important to you at that time. Um, and I'm more so talking about intert because that's what I, what I coach. Um, so it's, it's a lot of hands-on. I think being at a CC was the first time I was like, oh, now I understand why people don't do this forever why people get burnt out because that's it's creativity for me this is an art yeah and you can't just now you're asking me to mass produce art art and you're also that's asking a really me good analogy yeah yeah to not even mass produce art right because sometimes you're like it, we, we're talking about the difference between afa and Fyro. um you can get away with a lot of stuff at Fyro uh that you can't get away with at AFA, sure. like your blocking doesn't have to be the best at FIRO, but if you show you have that heart, you could possibly get a an out round right. versus you need to be clean to the T at AFA. To get a quarter. To get a quarter. Yeah. And even that is not guaranteed. So you have, now you're talking about not even an ELAC, which was a smaller team, but like Mount Sac, we have around... 60-something students, and I'm not saying all 60 students are doing interp, but out of those 60-something students, I have a good 25, 30 people who want to do interp because interp is fun, and everyone thinks they can do it. So now I have to find 30-plus pieces because not just one, you got to have four, right? right? All of these, all this literature, and I have to put a masterpiece together. Um, that's not for me too. So I have to put a masterpiece together that fits someone else and that can also speak to everyone. Right. <clears throat> and I've had success in doing it, but it's hard. And not repeat yourself every year. Yes. Right? I and mean, it's, oh, we already did this last year. Yes. And come up with something new. And and it's it's not impossible, but it's hard. And I'm only three years in it and I'm like, I'm tired, man. <laughs> I just need a reset. I just need a break. Let's just let, let, winter needs to come. I need those three weeks to think and meditate. Um, 
and I just can see why coaches get burnt out. But like, that's the biggest difference is just how hands on we are. But also, even in the mindset of the students, it's when we were in college, when I was in, in the four year circuit, we were pretty much treated like equals when it comes to our coaches because our coaches were grad students. Mm-hmm. So our coaches were kind of around our age. And they had so, just been there. And they, yeah, and they just came out of forensics. So not only are we putting these pieces together, we're hanging out. You don't get that. I'm not, I don't want to hang out with my CC students. But one, so now you have the separation, right? There's a clear power dynamic there at a CC. Right. Um, and you're not hanging out with your, but, but also there's almost like a childlike mentality for some of them as well, where a lot of decisions we got to make on our own on four year, two year, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if they can walk down the street without getting kidnapped. I think maybe take a buddy, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like they're adults and not adults and not even how we treat them. Like some of the things they say to us is like, wait, what? You know, no, no, you can't just go get into someone's car. Like, how you're at a tournament. Yeah. That's by the school. Like, you know, and we don't know where you're at. Where we we definitely had people at a four-year that was like, where's your teammate? I think she jumped into a van or somewhere else to go to the AFA after party. You know, but even then there was some type of, all right, call her. Make sure she's good. Make sure she gets to this hotel. We leave on the plane at like five. Cece would have your job. You'd be done. The yeah. moment someone was like, this student jumped into this van to go somewhere else with another and team and are. we don't know where they're at and we just hope that they show up at the airport at 6 a.m. Like it would just never happen sure. at all. And so you're almost a parent too in a way, which is, I was not cool, but I mean, it depends on what you like, but that's also draining. And I think that we've moved into, and, and it's, it's good and it's bad. I think we've moved into a way where we're talking about trauma in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of trauma got passed under when we competed. Right. And so now people are like, we really need to be focusing on these mental health issues. And I, and I see it a lot at a CC. When an activity is tied to someone's worth, it creates a, a huge, it can create an issue when you're not doing well. And so a lot of times too, my coaching is like, where are you at right now in your life? Yeah. How are you? How are you feeling? It's part therapist. Yes. And it's part therapist. And although I can like direct them to like, there's these free resources, go like, you don't want to just, clinical. yeah, you, yeah. You don't yeah, want to just be like, go away because you're also working on pieces where you're dealing with sexual assault or you're dealing with racism and you're dealing with sexism or whatever the case may be. And that takes a hole on your mental toll. Or even just, Love, yeah, right? like or you're talking love, about before, or, and it it could just be that simple where it's like yeah. I'm having a hard time with this relationship yes. that I've got, and this piece Spe- is bringing speaking back- to me and bringing back these memories. Yeah, absolutely, it doesn't have to be that deep, but it, like anything. So there's a, an emotional aspect to it that maybe as when I was competing, I didn't quite see because we were all in it, but now as someone who's separate, we're not hanging out and we're talking about these emotional or mental issues. I'm, I'm telling it to you as your professor and as your coach, it's a lot to take in within a year because not only do I need to create this art and I have to create it for like 30 something students 
Now I have to have a relationship with 30 something students. I need to check in mentally with 30 something students. I have to make sure that they're okay. I have to make sure that they're safe. Uh, You know, it's a lot that I never thought about or dealt with before. Mm -hmm. And I'm dealing with it not, I'm dealing with it now and on a grander scale because Mount Sac is one of the bigger community colleges that compete. So, you know, some people get to deal with like five students we have to do it with 60 students, mm. you know, and that takes a toll on me spiritually and emotionally and mentally. Cause you go home like, man, did I say the right thing today? Did I give the right advice today? Are they going to be all right? You know, it, I don't get to just clock out. I mean, you can, but emotionally but it's it, hard to, yes. I think what, I mean, what you're describing is like, if you're, if you're an effective coach, yeah. you can't mentally clock out like that yeah. because then you weren't invested in the first place right? and you got to be invested. And I think you're right. I think that does lead to burnout. It's yeah. hard to maintain for that long of a period of time. Um, I mean, I coach middle school students and when I, I took 16 middle school students without parents to uh, Texas and Oof. It was me and one other coach, and that coach was really green. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I'm, I am, I now am like surrogate dad. Yeah. And there, we had to have rules of like, you can't exactly. keep saying my name of like, Robert, 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 Robert. I get sick of hearing my own name. I'm like, stop. You don't need me for this. Yes. You're, 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 you want me to watch you like a mom, you know, mom, watch me jump in the pool. Mom, watch this. And, and I, like, can't. I can't. I don't have time I to can't. do this. I got to go judge. I have to go do these things. Right. Like we had students call. I can't find this building. Find a map. You're in college. Right. Like we're about exactly. to go judge around. Where are the bathrooms? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you got to take stuff off my plate. Right. Don't put right. it on my plate. Right. And so that when you come to me with stuff that does need to be on my plate, I, I can handle I got handle you. That. I can handle it. But if it's just every single little thing at some point in time I just I feel like people snap and I think it's because it's changing and I don't know if it's changing for the better if it's changing for the worse but I was talking to some of the old timers that used to do for forensics like in the 70s and 80s and they were like we used to do poise on the color green we used (laughs) to do it on like you know unicorns but there's something to be said there's not an emotional like baggage you're not really talking about trauma so you're not having all of this weight and i say it's good and bad because we should be talking about things that are happening in the world politically and socially and whatever but with that comes a lot of weight yeah and now not only putting together stuff that puts weight now i have to de debrief and like see where like everyone's at i gotta see where i'm at yeah like where am i after i judge this round and seeing six performances or seven performances or listen to speeches that dealt with this issue. Well, let me ask you a question. And, and I want to be very careful about how I word it because it could, it could be perceived as being racist. And I want to be very clear about the question that I'm asking. Yeah. One of the things within the community that I've heard, and to be honest, I've even been a part of this conversation, of seeing people of color do performances and a lot of times the argument is very much the same it's always yes. about race and um and i've I, i've i've even found myself saying to a lot of people like i've heard this before like we we get it does every piece have to be about this what would you say about that do you feel like that's a truism or do you feel like uh that it's such an important issue that it needs to be talked about in every speech i mean or am i just i might, no. I might be putting it's words both. in your mouth it's both so you have to think of it like this Forensics really wasn't for us, 
for people of color. And when I say for us, it just, we didn't have the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't a lot of us in forensics. And on top of that, you're, you know, you, so now you have a lot of people in, people of color that are in forensics that get to talk about issues that matter to them and get to explore their identity um, in a way that they've never been able to explore it before. And they get a platform to speak about it. And no matter what, this is the beautiful thing about speech. Whether you like it or not, for 10 minutes, someone has to listen to what you have to say. Right. And so with that comes a sense of, I am going to talk about what matters to me. I'm exploring this right now. And whether or not you've heard this before, you're going to hear it again. Because I, for so long, we didn't get an opportunity to talk about these issues. And we didn't get an opportunity to explore our identity. And whether... You like it or not, not like you like it or not, like people like it or not. This is, it's a gift that, that we're taking in full fledged and we're like, mm -hmm. this is going to happen. And you're, you just got to sit there and you just got to listen to it. Um, and so, I, yeah, there, some, sometimes the arguments are the same. Like, yes, we've heard it before, like bring a unique spin to it. But then that can be said for any performance when it comes to it. But you also don't want to deny people an opportunity or a gift. Maybe it's not your jam or maybe you've heard it 500 times. But how many times have you heard a DI that's been rant, you know, sure. certain DIs or how many times certain proses or even speeches and, and they've changed the dates. So and just because you've heard it doesn't mean you don't need to hear it again because maybe you didn't receive it that first time. That's a good point. And now you're in a place where it impacts you in a different way. Do you think... Uh, I'm, I'm going to take just kind of counter stance for a second. I'm not even sure I agree with what I'm saying, but do you think that it might be limiting the students, uh, the, the students of color, from exploring other avenues of their own personality? To it, I, I guess what I'm saying is it might might almost be reductionary. Pigeonhole. Yeah, exactly. I think it pigeonholes you if your coach is like, you can only do this like you're black you have, you to, have do to do a, do a black, black piece. piece you're mexican you can only do a mexican piece right i think yeah it can it can limit you and your scope when it when it comes to that avenue and because it's such a creative activity there's so many avenues you can explore but once again i would challenge you to be like now i take the like this thing about being in love and what does it feel like to be in love and be a black woman mm -hmm. right um so i can explore race and i can also explore everyday things but i also had coaches that were like let's go balls to the wall so it's like my di really had to do all, my di my poetry always had to do with race i knew who it was as a performance and i knew what i wanted to do my so like my pattern c was always about something dealing with race Racial. yeah my pros and info was usually about relationships, was about something social, was mm. about something in love, because that's also something that meant, like, how do we create and maintain relationships was something that I loved. And then pattern B was, like, whatever I felt that day. <laughs> like, there, there was no formula. There was no, but it was. It was, like, I will always do something about a woman being in love or not finding love in pros. If you look at any of my proses, that was the common theme that was the, in all of it. The thread. And, yes. And sometimes, like, I think my senior year, it just had an element of being black. But the, the pros that I won my title with, 
you what you a white person could have did it a black person could have did it it was just about a woman who was in love um same thing with my sophomore year um and then no my freshman year had an element of being black to it as well but that's where i stayed is with that and then i definitely explored different avenues of race and then pattern b which was duo and poi program oral interpretation i just did whatever i wanted to do i wonder too um how much people i mean how how i say white people but i guess people who because i think even it's not even fair to just say white because it might be like a you know if i was latino and i was watching a black performance i might have the same critique but yeah. you know you said your piece i think you said your senior year you, you, it could have been done by a white person or yeah. in, any other color any other race or anything like that but we might be placing that on you even like mm-hmm. we might be saying oh this is about race because you're black and you're going, no, no, I'm not even talking about race right yeah. now. And that might be, even be a fault of the people who are watching it sometimes. Uh, you know, what I was saying earlier about, oh, you're you're always talking about race. And it's like, I'm not even mentioning race right now. Yeah. You're just seeing that I'm black and now you're oh, putting that on me. Absolutely. I got, think people said crazy things to me on a ballot. So, you know, um, after my freshman year, so my freshman year, I used to, um, they used to police our look a lot at our school and so it was like your Long hair beach. yeah so your hair had to be straight it needed to be curled you have to be in full beat which is like your makeup needs to be done sorry use the drag term um and you had to look a certain way but for me being black and my hair being curly that meant like i had to wake up and i wasn't getting perms mm. so i had to wake up every morning at like 3 a.m when all of my teammates got to wake up at 7 i had to straighten and curl my hair and that took hours so my freshman year i was like no more i'm not i'm not gonna wake up four hours before everyone else to get ready this is ridiculous so my sophomore year i went natural meaning i just wasn't straightening my hair anymore and because i was black and because someone else was black who happened to have um curly hair she was before me she did the n-word the ads she's she like picket fence malita hill Hill. they were like you're trying to be like Melita Hill. Like you, like they're all like, I've got so much stuff put on me that was like, I'm literally just trying to live my life and be in this activity. So what you're talking about, yes, it absolutely happens to us. They're placing their social constructs onto you. Yeah. And they were like, you're not allowed to wear your hair like this unless you get a title. I had someone say that I've had people. Yes. I've had people write. Um, the only reason you're winning is because of your hair. And so I always wanted to do an ADS where I placed a little black book in my hair and just had oh, to do so a funny. whole point and be like, since th- my hair is what's winning, go for it. Have <laughs> you, have, just side note, have you seen the Chris Rock documentary about hair? Good hair. Good hair? Yes. Have you seen that? I have seen it. It's really, I found that really captivating uh, to know so much about like what goes into to black mm-hmm. hair and, and the culture behind it. And I can't remember if it was that or if it was that documentary or something else that I saw that was related, but it was talking about how um, that's it's a reason why a lot of black people don't want don't know how to swim is because they don't want to get their hair wet because they put so much stock like a lot yeah. of women put stock into their hair and getting in the pool would ruin their hair so they never learn to swim. Yeah, I mean, like that would be half of it. I mean, there's a whole historical oh, sure. I thing mean, access with to it. pools, yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah. But I, I find but, that I mean that little element is like whoa but it is right because you're like 
okay, I've just spent four hours pressing my hair and everyone's going to go in the pool and they're going to go get wet and then like Tammy's going to come out and her hair will be fine once it dries. Right. Right. And then your hair, if you're not used to having natural hair or having people see what natural hair might feel some kind of way when you get out of a pool and now your hair is in a fro mm. and it's not straight and right. you don't look like everyone else around you. Yeah. So yeah, like there's a lot of political aspect when it comes to and a social aspect when it comes to your hair. And so... I had to deal with a lot of that in forensics. Mm. You know, I didn't really even have that much of a pushback in the actual world, but in the community of forensics, I feel like I experienced it all at one moment of people being like, you are allowed to do this or you're not allowed to do this. And it's, it was crazy because it's like, I can do whatever I want. This is my body. You can't tell me how I can style my body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I think that comes true to anything. We're becoming looser on like piercings and stuff in this community. Like think I had my nose pierced and they were like, oh my God, you can't go to around with your nose pierced. What would people think? People would think my nose is pierced. Right. Like, you know, like. I, I find so much of it is just the fear of the judge. Yes, the, the it is. The mystical judge of like, oh, that one judge is it's gonna, gonna drop, drop you. you because, and but that was the conversation, right? Your hair can't be like that because the judge is not gonna like it. Okay, but this is what my hair is like. So now, if if I have to, right, you're already conditioning me to, like, dress myself or adorn myself or change myself to like to be liked by someone else. Now, how do I know my self worth if my self worth is based on how people treat me? Because I am, I look how they want me to look. Yeah. What well, is that even, even when me? judges write it, they write other judges will have a problem with this, and really, you're going, yeah, no, you have. You a are problem. because you yeah. wrote it. Yeah. So you're not helping me out. Right. You're telling me you have a preference. Right. With this, um, and right there, there are some times where it's like, no, no, let me help you out. Right. You're, you look like a mess. Like, y you word it differently. But when it comes to silly things like your hair is blue or this is that. How does that change my credibility? If the things that are coming out of my mouth is aligning with what needs to happen in this like event, then listen to that. Well, I, and I think you're, I think you're right. I would say where I would push back against it would be like, um, I'd always heard, you know, like big distracting earrings. Well, sure. That's right. That's a distraction. But right? I said, to an, ex to an extent, like, at someone, it's like a job interview. You're not right. going to like show up to a job. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it depends maybe on the job interview, yeah. you know, but in certain ways or, you know, where you have such a skirt, like a short skirt, we can see your religion or something like that. <laughs> like you might want to help someone out there. Right. But right. those are extremes. But to say something as simple as you can't have your hair natural or you can't have a no. simple piercing or you can't. Where are we getting at? And what are we really doing? You should probably doing? pull back from the facial tattoo. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> what? You don't like the spider on my face right now? <laughs> the teardrops that are... <laughs> but, you know, hey, to each his own. Yeah. Who am I to judge? <laughs> All right. Well, Jasmine, uh, this is the part of the interview that I want to move into. Uh, this is our survey question. So uh, in keeping with, uh, with the tradition of survey questions on this podcast, uh, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. This is what I call the final round. Ooh, are you ready? I'm ready. I don't know. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the final round. Question number one. Were you superstitious? Yes, I was. How when so? When I broke into out rounds, I would not let anyone touch me. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. 
uh this sounds so stupid and i know it and i like regret saying that i'm superstitious but i had like a theory that if they touched me they would take my talent (laughs) and i would mess up like so i wouldn't let anyone touch me or like hug me until everything was was it was done now was it after the results were in or after the round was after over? after the round was over okay like after i performed you can shake my hand or give me a hug wow so even once they posted yeah i would like, i would jet out wow yeah i bet people were but usually like, i wasn't at postings because i didn't have glasses and i couldn't see and after my sophomore year i couldn't recognize my name um, <laughs> i was like i looked at the posting and i was like who the fuck is jasmine mickleyod <laughs> Oh, oh, that's me. That's me. And my last name is McLeod. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to be at postings anymore. So, but yeah, at postings, nothing. I wouldn't let anyone touch me until after the round. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. Question number two. Who is the competitor you most admired? <sighs> this is hard because it's different. for. Di- I would say Tara Strong overall. Um, she was from Tennessee. But honestly, I want to say that David and Whitney, performance-wise, David Hale, Whitney David Rice. Hale, yeah, David Hale and Whitney Rice changed the way I performed drama and prose. Wow. Yeah, I saw them and I was like, "That's what I want to do," and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number three: What's the most memorable speech you've seen? Tara Strong's. She did this prose, and I and I wish. I knew the title. It's been haunting me ever since. Doesn't that kill you? It kills me. There's it, a poetry out there that I'm dying to find. Yes. It yeah. was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It broke me. Usually in rounds, I'm pretty good. Like even if I see something sad and I'm competing in a round, and, mm-hmm. and I'm more so talking about when I'm competing in a round. When I'm competing in a round, I'm like, I'm in it, but I'm not emotionally invested. She was able just by the simplicity and the beauty of the prose to break down that barrier that I had and I was bawling. Mm. And then I had to go up after her. But it was the most beautiful prose that I ever saw. It was about a woman who, um, she, she had HIV and she had moved out and she was doing all these big things in the city and she contracted HIV and now she had to go home. And I'm kind of saying this because I'm like, if you know this pros, hit me up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And she contracted HIV and she had to go home and she had to tell everyone. Um, But that wasn't the thing is she found this man and I think this is really what broke me. She found this man and she's like, okay, I have to tell him, I have to tell him I'm HIV positive. And his response to it was so sympathetic and understanding that it just it was it just broke me it was like it doesn't matter we can wait or we can like we can take it was like we can take this as slow as you want to and I don't know I think too like as a woman and you're like feeling pressure to just like you just have to do what like these people want and and here's this woman dealing with something huge and we didn't talk about hiv in the way we talk about it now and we didn't understand it in that way and for like we're oh don't touch me you know and for someone obviously in the pros to be like you're still beautiful right and you're okay and i'm still here is like that's probably one of the worst things someone could have ever said to someone and they said i'm still here someone should write the the 
the his perspective of that whole story yeah. of like I totally wanted to bang this girl, so <laughs> I just said whatever, you know. That would ruin it for me forever. <laughs> but like I sucking just, out all the romance yes, of the yes, entire thing. It just like it just got me so much for someone to just be like, I'm still here. Like, fuck. <laughs> like that's I don't know. It just uh but it broke me. That was probably the most memorable piece of it. I like seen. that. All right. Question number four. How do you explain forensics to someone who's unfamiliar with it? I say we're a bunch of nerds that dress up in suits and we stand in classroom and say words. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, so that's, you're lawyers? Yeah. That's probably the simple aspect of it. I mean, I kind of go through the whole thing, but... If I have to go somewhere fast, I will say that. I'll be like, we're nerds that do speeches in classrooms. But um, if I have a little bit more time, I go like, there's a few aspects. There's the debate side, like the great debaters that you probably have seen the movie of. People usually know that. Mm -hmm. But I go, there's the the individual side. So it kind of gets split into three. You have people who do limited prep on their toes. You have people who do platforms, the obvious speeches you kind of see. I'm persuading someone um, or I'm informing someone and there's specialized speeches in that. And then we have an acting event. So, and it's just different type of literature and we act and then tell, uh, tell people why it's socially or politically relevant to be listening to this piece of literature today. So that's, that's kind a, that's of how a I nice break little it down. explanation right there. <laughs> All right. Question number five, what was your most unusual inspiration for a speech? Uh, I guess the most unusual would be ironically the prose that I won my first title with is it wasn't it's for a guy mm-hmm. the speech is written for a guy um and so everyone said no and I was like I am gonna do this like it needs to be done it deserves to be done so all the no's kind of created the inspiration oh. for me to create Sarah Cole so I was like because it's it's written from the perspective of a man, but it goes in and out of third person. So I was like, I gave it to so many guys and they were like, no, 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 this is dumb. This is dumb. And I was like, do they not see the beauty that I see? And so like, I took it. Then and I'll I do was it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was probably the most unusual inspiration that I'm I telling would. you, sometimes a good no yes. is like, you lit a fire, man. Yeah, you don't, you don't even know. Like I gave you a gym. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number six. Has a speech ever caused you to change? I mean, yeah, they all should. They should? I don't know if they all do. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. I mean, mean, do you get changed every time you see a speech? Oh, uh, see a speech. I thought it was like performance-wise. Either way, or perform or see or or what? Performance-wise, I feel because... Once how I explore speeches, I feel like you have to change, like because you have to explore what these things are. But not being like this is about me. Yes, I've changed myself uh, as a speech. Yeah, absolutely. Like being inspired by people like Tara Strong or watching speeches about like seeing Jesus's recorded speeches and the issues he talked about, mm-hmm. or even Whitney Rice and not even performance wise. Jesus Magana? No, Jesus Vias. Okay, sorry. Vias. Uh, so I never got to see him perform, but he, there's like recordings of his performance mm-hmm. that has changed my life, like of how I've seen different things. Like, oh my God, I never even thought like, no, no, this is the best example. Sorry. I have an actual concrete one. Okay. I was in a poi round and this, I, I wish I knew his name. I don't know his name. He did a poi dedicated to his mother about um, uh, nail 
man um vietnamese manicurists and how like people make fun of them about how they speak or like people are rude to them when they're trying to speak to them and they're like be quiet like i don't i don't want to have this conversation because you don't speak what we can't verse well right and essentially the whole point is they're doing this so that they can assimilate in a world that you said they have to. And the only way they can do this is to practice speaking with you. And if you shut them down, then they don't get to become a part of this American dream. Mm. But it was done so beautifully. And it made me check myself because not that I was rude. I've never been like, shut up. I don't want to speak to you because you don't. But it's like, I've been short. Like, I'm getting my nails done. I'm not trying to have this long conversation with you. And I was like... I never had to think about that stuff because it's like I speak English. So, you know, Jasmine, I think what you just described is exactly why I asked that question and people will sometimes give different answers to it, but that's exactly what I'm thinking about of like, when you see that piece and you go, I got to check myself. I got to think about that. And a couple people have given some wonderful answers of like, Oh yeah, I saw this one speech and it totally reframed my world. And I like that. Like the little things that now when you get your nails done. I talk like, with them. I'm like, how's I, your day? We, you got, we got to yeah, chat. Yeah, let's That's chat. Let's, part of my job here yeah, is to have a conversation Because with you. if you're using this to get your assimilate, English better yeah. and assimilate and feel like you're part of this society and not be outcasted, it is also my job to help you do that. Yeah. Like I do. I think it is part of my job. I'm sitting here taking your time let's go let's let's talk yeah. like because you can teach me some stuff and i can teach you some stuff and you know yeah so i really like that answer a lot <laughs> uh all right question number seven what did you do with your awards my parents have it yeah yeah my, my mom is there has a been shrine like erected yes, yeah absolutely like even in high school i would come home from a tournament and i would have it in my room my mom would sneak in the middle of the night take the trophy out of the room and just place it in like they have this room with the trophies and she'd be like i i earned this because i birthed you <laughs> so my, my parents have all of my my trophies that's great yeah do you, they have your nationals like, yeah my nationals like a uh, proud yep. like centered yep. all on the all in the living room too so the first thing people see when they walk in is my high school and college trophies <laughs> what's this all about well yeah. let me yes tell they do they're like yeah. they'll purposely make us take family photos in front of the fireplace where they all are are you an so, only child no i oh, have no. siblings so it's oh. even worse because like say. yeah i'm the not that they don't do anything but like in sports and stuff you don't get trophies in the way that forensics right. get trophies so they might have one baseball trophy for the year one little lonely yeah. base yeah i'm shaming them <laughs> one little lonely trophy for the year and like now i have all of these trophies and so my parents definitely were like everybody gather around. we're gonna take a yes, family yes, photo around jasmine's, jasmine's trophies, trophies. Yeah. <laughs> so great and then their trophies are like in the corner somewhere just like <laughs> sad they're like yeah we're cutting her out of the family will <laughs> yeah yeah all right <laughs> they're plotted yeah it. right I'm cutting your brake lines yeah <laughs> Question like, number eight. <laughs> what speech skill do you use most often in your day-to-day life? Ironically, the event I don't do, which would be extemp or impromptu speaking, as a professor, you know, you're just reading that information and you're like, okay, 
coming up with a lecture. Uh, hope the things that come out of my mouth sound smart. So well, it sounds like you had some practice with that with your uh, I know. With your in- informative. Info. Yeah. <laughs> I would never ever recommend doing that to a student, and I would never <laughs> do that again. But yeah, I think extemp and impromptu would probably just being able to speak. On Same, the fly. totally. I never did those events in uh, in competition. I I think I tried impromptu a couple times, yeah. but I use it constantly now. But I guess with that being said, too, if I'm sticking true to the events that I did, then pros, right? Because even within teaching, there's storytelling um, within hmm. your lecture. You're starting from a beginning, and you really have to captivate your students. You have to take them on a journey to learn this information. So uh, I would say also storytelling and kind of creating that suspense, even with boring terms in public speaking or I don't think interpersonal is boring but whatever the case may be you you gotta get them to be invested in you so okay question number nine why didn't you quit blackmail Is that a racial thing? I don't... No. no. Oh, oh, blackmail. Oh, God, 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 God. I thought that was okay. like an alternate postal service. Ironically, um, my senior year, I did try to quit. I oh, was really? like, yeah, it, the coaching staff... and No, not the coaching staff. Our DOF... No, D-O-I-E. She tried to murder us three times. What? Literally. So, I'll tell you the story. Please do. The first time she tried to murder us, we were in San Francisco. And she was just going through it, telling her about her, chi- telling us about her childhood. And she was like upset. So she were in the vans cause we rented vans to go up to San Francisco. She stops on the train tracks, locks the door as a train comes no. and goes, wouldn't it be funny if we just all died right now and we couldn't get out of the train. I mean, couldn't get out of the car. And then she like sped up real fast right before the train what? came. That's the first time. The second time... Dude, she, that's not funny. No, it's not funny at all. It, these are real. The second <laughs> time she tried to kill us, it was at HFO. We didn't know. It was in Texas. She was drunk, drove us drunk, and almost ran into the middle dividers. So she hit the... I think they're water jugs, yeah. those yellow things. Yeah. So she hit that. But so we had to exit, and she, like, because she's drunk, didn't realize, and, like, swerved. But we would have hit the wall if we continued. So she broke real hard and the water thing actually um, stopped it. And it was like an inch close to hitting the wall. And then she like transferred, um, like went to the exit. The third time she tried to kill us uh, was at a retreat. And... You know, it was I, it was like one of those like it was Big Bear or something like that. It was like something something in the woods and the mountains and stuff like that. And it had just snowed, and they had those signs that were like, "Don't go over thirty miles per hour because uh, your car will hydroplane." <laughs> You'll yeah, fly off the edge yes. of the cliff. And there's no rails. And she was like, "Want to see something funny?" She's going like sixty on this mountain, and we're hydroplaning. Like I could literally look and see the bottom of the mountain and she's just laughing and laughing and and we reported it because a lot of people when I tell this story they go but didn't you report it oh absolutely like the moment she tried to kill us in San Francisco and almost got tasered on a plane um I'll tell that story too so in San Francisco um we went there a different time and we we flew instead and we got on a plane and you know, there's no liquid on the plane. So she somehow snuck clam chowder on the plane, which was like, cool, you got away with it. 
But then she was stupid and was like, I got this clam chowder and was like showing everyone. And so then, uh, I don't know, one of this. Yes, 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 yes. Um, one of the, the, what are they, the air marshals yeah. or the, yeah, the yeah, air marshals came and were like, oh, you're not allowed to have liquid. And she was like, well, I got this through check-in. And they were like, yes, I don't know how that happened, but this is considered a liquid. You gotta, you gotta get this off of the plane. And so she's just snapping. I'm not taking this off of the plane. I got through security. She's going, oh, sorry. I was like yelling too much. No, you're, you're good. Uh, she's going crazy. So they're like, if you don't stop, we're going to have to like you know, settle you down and we're going to take you off. And so... Don't tase me, bro. Yeah. Don't tase me. And so she's like, because we're going home. She's like, if you take me off, you got to take those students off. And I was like, I've never seen this woman a day in my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were going to land in LA, so right. I don't need you. So take her. She can leave. Like, because once we land in LA, we all take Problem our solved. taxis. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't going to get off the plane with her. So after that, that, that second moment, and there's just issues throughout the whole school year. I was like, enough is enough. So we went to the administrate the administration and we told them. So then they were like, you can't tell us. You got to put it in writing. So then we put it in writing and then they were like, we don't believe you. You all are exaggerating. What? It wasn't just me. It was the whole team. We were like, they were like, you're exaggerating. And so nothing happened to her. So then I was like, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to quit. Like, I'm not going to put my life in danger. But I had got a scholarship to go to Long Beach and so it paid my full tuition for the entire year. Mm. And it was paying, and I was getting money the next year. And so they were like, if you do not um, quit, I mean, if you quit, you got to pay this money back. We're going to make sure that you have to pay every cent of this money back. And I'm the first person to ever go to college. My parents don't make a lot of money. And so I was like, well, <laughs> I'm I, not going to pay all I, I don't have this money. Yeah. And I got to finish school. So I stay. So my joke is always, I joined because I'm petty. I stayed because I'm damaged. So, <laughs> like, um, but I did. I tried to quit my senior year because I was like, I have my title. I don't need this. And then all of that. And you didn't die. Happened. And I didn't die. And we yeah. laugh about it now, but it's also not funny. I honestly should have sued the school, but that's fine. <laughs> wow. In the world of. This was well. That, that's a good reason to not quit. Yeah, I guess sort <laughs> I of, kind of. I don't even know what to I say don't about. Know. <laughs> All right, question number ten. Now, this is my favorite question. What's the best advice you've received about a speech? I don't know. I just feel like I've had so many great talks with Jesus. I mean, part of it is like the corny the the cliche, right? You just got to do what you love and put your heart on the line. But I mean, I don't know the words verbatim, but the conversations that I've had with Jesus was just like, at the end of the day, these trophies don't pay your bills. They, they, they're not food. It doesn't feed you. You can't eat it. So you might as well just speak about what you want to speak about and invest you're, like in making sure that you're not doing speeches. A lot of people do speeches that they're like, this is the topic that will win. Right. This is the, the like, and they don't like it. They're just doing it because they're like, this is going to land me in a final round. And having a conversation about, I can buy you a trophy, <laughs> made it so much easier to let go and really stay true to what I believed in and talk about things that I wanted to talk about, even if it wasn't someone else's jam. Uh, I wasn't, concerned about the win anymore like i'm not gonna say like i walked in there like i hope i lose no one's walking into a round and being like i hope i lose but mm -hmm. 
I think that was probably the most impactful conversation was like, at the end of the day, what is the worst that can happen? Your life is going to go on. You still have to pay your bills. You still have to do this. Um, you know, you still have to live your life. And I think that was the best advice anyone could have ever given me for this activity. And, and I, I just hate to jump back. But like I said earlier, when you're in an activity that people feel like that ties their self-worth to what they accomplish, it's important that you have someone in your life to be like, look, I want you to win. I'm rallying for you. I, and I see that you're working hard. And I hope that like, you know, you're, it pays off. But even if it doesn't, you are still brilliant and you are still, you know, and life will go on and these like it'll fade. Right. You know, I had a name now if I go on AFA, no one knows who I am Mm. because we we cycle out. Right. You know, and it's a new generation and it's a new um, generation of names and, and people competing and and I don't know, mind blowing performances and then you become a ghost. So right, not like so a true. ghost, but it's just like. Well, how many people can you name from 1987? Exactly. That that's were like, probably brilliant where people are like, this changed my life. Yeah. And and it's not to dismiss what they've done. It's like, yes, they've paved the way. But then now they've stepped aside. Well, so. you've got thousands of people. How do you have internal memory to go back that exactly. far? Exactly. I mean, you only know your experiences. Yeah. And you can't see all of the speeches. And your know, coaches are a link to that past, but even they have their ex- their beginning date and their expiration date. Right, you know, right. it's like you only can see what you can see. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's important. I think if as now I'm a coach, I'm not a competitor. That I have those conversations, and I do have those conversations with my students so much. I see it when they like. And CC's different, right? Four years when you're going to these local tournaments, you're you're not you don't really care about winning you care about calling your event for afa like you could really give two shits if you get the six versus if you get the one as long as that six provides you with legs and you call yeah but at a community college getting that two or getting that six or not breaking devastates students you know because they're like i've been practicing and i don't know what i did wrong and i don't want people to feel devastated i don't want people to feel like they're not worth it or working hard doesn't pay off or whatever you know so i think especially at the community college level that might be the first time that they've ever really won something yes yeah and and really had that kind of positive um experience uh, or feedback or or recognition or you know or people are like i'm digging what you're doing or i'm digging what you're saying and i'm listening and i'm and i'm you know and, and you don't get that a lot in your life period i think that's the beauty of this activity and it's also it's what makes this activity scary, you know? Well, it's one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is reach back to people that I don't know. And and right now I'm kind of, I think a lot of the guests that we've had on this so, so far have been people that I have had interactions with, but I hope to start expanding out to people that I don't know and people that right. have been around longer and also people that um, didn't win nationals. You know, yeah. somebody that's like, hey, I, this these are the experiences that I had. Uh, I did seven tournaments yeah and the best i ever did was a fifth place at a novice level but, but those are here's important, how it impacted though. my yeah, life those yeah. are those stories are important there's also right you're gonna get i, I mean i know that this isn't gonna grow but you're gonna get people who have competed consistently for four years gave it their all and never broke around right. and, and how does that impact you you know and how does that change you i know so many people that i'm like that person should at least had a final round. Like, that's crazy. Well, you know? I, an, an example of that, I remember 
when I was a freshman, uh, Justin Adams was from Arizona State University, yeah. and he didn't break anything at AFA, and he was devastated. His yeah. uh, his parents were there, and they were really hoping he was going to break something. And it was his senior year; he didn't break anything. Yeah, and I remember him being very, very upset. And I remember saying to him, "You know, he was like, I, I have no legacy.' Basically, that, that was the sentiment. And I'm going, no, you you were one of the first people yeah. that really accepted me into this whole uh, world." And we were outsiders and we were very, there, there is sometimes this wall of like, you're not part of the cool club yet. And yeah. he was one of the first ones to be like, oh no, you're fine. You're cool. Come in. And I'm like, I'll never forget that. Your legacy lives on with me. Yeah. And while having a quarterfinal round or a semifinal mm-hmm. round might feel good, honestly, at the end of the day, I think you'd probably rather have the long lasting impact on somebody's yes, life. Yes, like I love, I think it's more profound to be like, you didn't break or even if you did break but I think it's more profound to be like you didn't break but you know what that performance stuck with me forever and I still talk about it to this day I think that's more impactful than you broke out and I was wondering why why (laughs) (laughs) so true like how'd you get here (laughs) so true all right well hey we've covered a lot on this episode yes we did jasmine this has been a lot of fun uh if people want to find you do you have an instagram or twitter that you want to pass out for people you can find me on instagram at ja.cloud but cloud is spelled c-l-e-o-d so it's the last half of my last name so it wasn't very creative (laughs) ja.cloud all right that's not it's not uncreative it's uh it's dignified oh thank that's you. how you put yeah. it and as for us if you want to find us you can find us on twitter and instagram our handle there is at forensic podcast so uh jasmine yeah it's been a little slice of heaven this i been know fun. this was fun i was nervous guys i was really nervous you don't need to be nervous this is great so uh thanks dumb. thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it and uh, until the next round keep yes. talking and as jasmine says do what you love and put your heart on the line I'm not an actress. I love that. Oh, you're acting now. Cause if you're not somebody.